Welcome to HSDF the Podcast, a collection of policy discussions on government technology and homeland security brought to you by the Homeland Security and Defense Forum. Today's program is the first in a three-part discussion about how industry is collaborating with DHS to deliver security and mission successes, implementing zero trust, and new concepts concerning risk management. Featuring Ken Bible, CISO of the Department of Homeland Security, and Mike Epley, Chief Architect and Security Strategist at Red Hat, and moderated by Rob Palmer, CTO of Shorepoint Technology. This program was recorded in conjunction with the HSDF Policy Symposium, The Evolution of Federal Cybersecurity, on June 21st, 2023. All right, we're going to have some, uh, if the conversation's anything like it was in the green room, we're going to have some fun with this one. So, uh, super uh, broad topic, talking about uh, securing data at the edge and at rest, uh, and zero trust and all the things zero trust. So, uh, so we've got a lot of room to, to roam around here. Um, first, we're about 18 months after, you know, post M2209. Um, really what we want to talk about is, is where are we in terms of current state? Um, are we really in a better state from a security perspective? Or are we working towards that? Uh, and uh, really just from a structure perspective, like we talked about just you know, wander around the topics that you, uh, you know, that you want to hit home uh, with. So whoever wants to, to start there. Yeah. I'll jump in. So, yeah, time yeah, to, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so I think that the federal agencies are all digesting what's in the strategy. I, I actually think it's one of the better written documents that I've seen because it, it gave some real clear paths to take in terms of, you know, focusing on consolidating identity, uh, kind of, Putting putting a, a gravestone over the VPN, uh, re- really trying to take some pragmatic efforts. But I think there are still there's a lot of work to be done in terms of really thinking about are we are we just going to go move around the pieces on the board, or are we really talking about this as a fundamental architectural shift that affects everything from what we do at the transport layer all the way up to applications? And I think to realize the outcome that I think was envisioned, you have to get all the way up to the top of the stack. And so really being able to uh, envision uh, where you position uh, those decision points in the architecture uh, at a, at a, at a, uh, and, and how to tag data, how to consolidate identity, those are things that agencies are really grappling with. We, we've made some good progress, I think, at the, on the network pillar, if you took the, the system model, uh, in terms of kind of abstracting uh, the the, the crunchy outer layer of the organization. I think there's a lot of work to still be done uh, up at the top of the stack in terms of having applications really being able to enable themselves to take advantage of shared identity. And frankly, gaining consensus across an organization on what that shared identity uh, model should be for an organization. Uh, and so I think there's, there's a lot of work to be done, but we have a, we have a pretty strong strategy in my mind uh, it's just a function of executing on it and, and laying out the laying out the, uh, the the approach and the the projects that will get us incrementally towards the goal. Yeah, I'm going to chime in and say I think I heard the word architecture in there. Uh, <laughs> that's something I love to emphasize uh, when we talk about zero trust in M2209. Uh, I think really took the opposite tact, right? If 
zero trust is a broad architecture and we need to move our entire enterprises or data environments and think about that from a holistic perspective. M2209 provided real crisp guidance with respect to actionable things we can do to move towards that architecture. Uh, and you mentioned VPNs, right? So that's like, uh, you know, a, a zero trust anti-pattern. Uh, and we like to focus on what can we do to move away from that as quickly as we can, because that is really a concentration of trust in a single resource often. Uh, that is a, a bright target for exploitation. Um, and a zero trust model will uh, hopefully get us away from that. Uh, and that's a great thing that they, that, that memo emphasized as a step forward to that. Uh, and it had, it was replete with steps that we can take immediately. Uh, some of these things are initiatives already in progress, so we can, uh, continue to leverage. Uh, but that still leaves a huge gulf now, uh, in completing that, the rest of that architecture and really bringing zero trust to other aspects. Um, you mentioned progress in the network pillar. And I think, uh, the network, uh, space we had to start on, uh, people have been talking about zero trust networking for some time. Uh, but now we're trying to figure out how to do that, uh, in these other domains, Data is, I think, the next big one, right? That's the core of what we want to protect and figure out how to apply, say, identities uh, with respect to data and in some unusual environments, edge environments, where uh, identities, networks, data are all distributed. And we don't really have good ways to do that today, and we're still trying to figure that out. That's right. <clears throat> no, I think that's that's uh, that's uh, exactly it. And, you know, you talk about it as an architecture, and that is what it is, right? There's no magic bullet. I can't go out here and buy a pound of zero trust. Uh, and and sometimes I think different agencies are going to have different paths to get there. Uh, but the the point is that you're you're fundamentally saying, hey, I'm not going to have any place where I concentrate that trust in the environment, and I'm going to verify every transaction against every resource. Uh, and I think that's a pretty powerful model, but it's a big it's a big lift. Uh, and so the biggest, one of the bigger challenges for large agencies is how to build consensus on how to get there, uh, because it is in terms of being able to change the environments that people have built for their particular mission uh, and or being able to decide what pieces ought to be provided at an enterprise level across all of that and which pieces can be left to an individual agency. So there's as much in the social sciences of this in terms of building consensus as anything. Organizational transformation, yeah, those types of things, right? Um, so we talked a little bit about challenges and, and, uh, I just want to give you the opportunity to explore some of those challenges, um, which, uh, you know, just pick one and, and, and then we talk about kind of what we either think should be done about that challenge, whether we're making progress, whether you've particularly in, in your role seen some successes in that space, but let's explore a little bit of, of the, uh, the challenges associated with whether it's securing the data, right. Or, zero trust as a whole. Yeah, I'm going to say uh, we talk to a lot of uh, folks within the government about how they're implementing zero trust. You right. know, as a vendor, everybody is asking for solutions. Implement, you know, give us the magic bullet to zero trust. There isn't one. That's the real challenge. Uh, is getting away from this idea that there is a singular solution to this. As an architecture, zero trust is everywhere, and we're <laughs> going to build distributed systems, distributed trust models. Uh, currently, the biggest challenge is just understanding within our enterprises where those roots of trust are, where are 
our assets are that we want to protect and our data assets. Uh, Even before we get to this idea of tagging or uh, understanding how to control uh, the distribution of that data and uh, creating explicit trust, we just have to understand where we have implicit trust today. Uh, Going back to like M2209, sometimes it's really obvious, right? Uh, Our DNS, uh, we're not even securing our DNS. So let's start there, the real obvious things. Uh, But there's still this huge challenge of figuring out all those places where we have uh, implicit trust uh, and even systems that we think are relatively secure. You look at like PKI, for example. Uh, PKI, you think, well, that's about as explicit as you get. I've got a certificate. I've got some keys. There's an issuing authority. Uh, But there's lots of implicit roots of trust, even in that kind of an exchange. Uh, Your client machines and your tokens that are holding those keys, those are all potentially vulnerable. Uh, And they might be vulnerable in in different ways, uh, depending on where we're at. That's one of the difficulties of operating in like, for example, edge environments, where the hardware, the operational model, the key distribution mechanisms, all those things might be different. And we might have to adapt to how we do that uh, in these types of environments and come up with new or innovative ways to do that and tie that into our zero trust access controls. So so I think the you talk about the edge computing piece, and, and I think the, the, the biggest challenge that I see really isn't from the perspective of an M2209. It's kind of like what NSM8 came afterwards and said, apply this to the national security system and apply this to your, well, some people would consider mission IT or platform IT. But it still has the same challenge in terms of a zero trust architecture, but perhaps harder because of the nature of those systems uh, and the way they're deployed. Uh, and to your point about uh, edge systems and, and the complexities there in terms of whether it's PKI or otherwise, uh, it's a much more challenging architecture. So I'd say that from a challenge perspective, it's, it's, it's that, that construct of the systems that typically don't fall into the, the category of an IT system, mm. but that collect, store, process, and distribute data. Uh, still in the purview, under the purview of a CIO, still in the purview of a zero-trust architecture, but much more difficult to implement. Sure. And uh, you mentioned that sometimes it's not an IT system. So we always talk about uh, the human-oriented controls and control systems and organizational controls that are also the challenge, especially as we move towards more autonomous systems, AI-based systems, these more... Uh, uh, distributed systems at the edge where humans aren't in the loop always. And we have to create that explicit trust uh, where there aren't humans in the loops. There's, uh, for example, our key distribution mechanism has to be robust enough that uh, we can you know, rely on the IT systems that hold that key material. Uh, and that might be something that we have to learn to give up uh, in the reliance on those human controls and rely on some of those IT systems, technological yeah, controls. I mean, the, the whole idea of, of, say, AI is probably key to our success in that, is our ability to develop uh, means of training models and testing the resulting uh, application of them and performance of them to gain that trust. Uh, something that we're still learning about, I think, but the explosion of AI now has certainly made that a priority. Yeah, absolutely. AI, I think, is going to play a critical role in uh, how we build our systems in the future uh, because uh, Zero Trust, among other things, demands us uh, to look at the full context of every transaction, right? Uh, And the more we look the more context we can uncover uh, and the more we can pull into those decision points uh, and make more accurate and informed decisions about granting or denying access to systems. 
So let's talk a little bit about um, structure, right? We talked, uh, uh, whether it's guidance or whether talked a little bit about risk management and kind of the approach and, and um, realizing that, that the structure has to exist in order to achieve the objective, right? So the question is, do we, do we have everything that we need from a structural perspective, whether that, again, is either guidance or, or um, general practices or just the appetite to, to actually achieve it? Uh, curious on your thoughts on, on whether the structure exists to set us up for success. You're all looking at me. So, <laughs> so, you know, I think, I think it does. I mean, we, there's nothing, there's nothing inherently new about what we're talking about doing. It's just the pace at which we can do it and the scale at which we can do it. Mm-hmm. So, so how much resources, you know, what are we going to, I think the big, to me, I look at it and say, here's a perfect opportunity to say, what are we going to stop paying for because we want to do this other architecture? Uh, that perhaps is the most challenging conversation to have with uh, with us, a, a, a stakeholder, a right. mission owner. Uh, but being able to articulate why it's important, uh, the fact that, that one breach and the cost of that or the reputational risk of that or the practical mission impact of that uh, has to be in the calculus. Mm-hmm. So how, 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 uh, how lucky do you feel? <laughs> I think we're trying to get to a point where it's not going to be relying on luck, but that conditional access, it's based on multiples of factors to determine whether a transaction should go through or not. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think the other, you know, aspect of that is this idea that we have all this legacy infrastructure. And I know we talk about this, but we have legacy infrastructure, legacy processes, legacy people uh, that we can't just wish away. We have to, you know, that's what's protecting us today. We have to continue to prioritize that. Uh, you know, I think we heard a moment ago the word cyber hygiene come up, uh, and I know we talked about that a little bit ourselves. Uh, and that's still an important aspect. And we, you know, we still have to get better and improve on that, even at the same time as we're thinking about the future and that target architecture that we want to get to. I think that this, the cyber hygiene piece is still relevant. Like, uh, you know, I, I always love using the example, and I'm not a, a, a I'm not trying to say that. That compliance is the is the end all, right? It's not. That's not why we're we're in this business. We're in this business to understand the risks and manage them. Um, but I still don't want the airplane pilot taking off without doing the checklist. Right? <laughs> so there is a the table stakes in cybersecurity is if you're going to manage risk, you need to understand what the risks are. So compliance is a tool for being able to understand where you're carrying risk, which is what we've been trying to do in terms of cyber hygiene, in terms of uh, not self-attesting or self-assessing, but being able to go take the information from industry and bake it into some algorithms that give us a maturity score, Hmm. which we can use as a surrogate for risk, because there's lots of factors in terms of risk, in terms of threat versus the vulnerabilities existence. But can I actually see what the the required maturity of a company's cybersecurity is for the complexity of the work they're proposing to do. seems like a pretty good risk management approach. Right. Sure. Right. And risk management is all about understanding the context which you're operating. Right. Uh, so the more you understand that, the better. Uh, and that's something that everybody has a part to play. Uh, the real challenge is, you know, those supply chains I think we're discovering are far more complex than we initially assumed, especially in the IT world. Uh, 
Uh, and as an open source company, we see the complexity of like the open source uh, uh, supply chain. Uh, there's millions and millions of open source projects out there, millions and millions of developers. Uh, and as an IT provider, we don't even control most of those uh, resources. Uh, and our job is still to protect our downstream users from that. Uh, and to some extent, hide that complexity uh, and uh, prevent that from bleeding through and provide that single point. But regardless, you know, we can't just wish away these complex supply chains and we just have to, again, deal with that reality, R manage that risk as uh, by understanding what those look like and then uh, providing uh, as much protection against that supply chain as we can. Thank you for tuning in. You can follow HSDF the podcast on every major podcast platform. Visit hsdf.org to learn more about the Homeland Security and Defense Forum and HSDF the podcast.